Welcome to Ag Matters, a podcast where we talk about both matters of agriculture and why agriculture matters. Here's your host, Dr. Amanda Stone, Mississippi State University Assistant Professor and Extension Dairy Specialist. So on the phone today, I have uh, three guests, actually, Lauren, Barb, and Megan. And if you could all introduce yourselves, please. Oh, I'm Dr. Barb Jones. I grew up in Hybron, Maine. Um, I currently uh, live in Central Texas. I am an assistant professor at Charleston State University and have a joint appointment with Texas A&M Agri-Life Researcher Research, and I am the director of the Southwest Regional Dairy Center. I am Dr. Megan Hollis. I am originally from Kentucky. Um, but I am an assistant professor of animal science now at Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Hi, my name is Lauren Nolan. I um, just finished my PhD at the University of Kentucky. Um, I am currently living in Lexington, Kentucky, working for Ridley Feed Ingredients as a poultry, poultry technical consultant. I was hoping to have all of these successful women discuss what it's like for women in agriculture. I think we hear about women in other industries a lot, right? And there's a lot of talk about things going on with women in other industries. And I wanted to discuss it from an agricultural standpoint, because I think everybody has a different perspective of, you know, if it's good for women, if there are struggles for women. Um, And so I was hoping you all could comment on your experience as a woman in agriculture. So, in general, I think that my um, experience has been positive. Um, Overall, if I were to reflect on my whole experience, I mean, I grew up on a farm. We didn't have animals or anything, which is what I do now, so that's a little bit different. But I did grow up on a farm, so I've been surrounded by agriculture my whole life. Um, And so, thinking back, my, my overall experience has been positive. Of course, there have been examples of times that maybe weren't so great, um, and, you know, room for improvement. But, yeah, overall, my experience is positive. I think kind of like going off of what Megan just said, um, we all of us went to the University of Kentucky for at least one of our degrees. And um, we had some great role models at, at UK. Um, but if we look specifically at the women that were in our industry um, on the academia side, a lot of them were very success- successful in what they did. But they um, were single or married without children. And so that was kind of different from what I grew up with um, in a course back in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, where families were kind of the center of everything. And so moving to um, the academia world where women were successful, um, but they didn't necessarily have that family life, that was um, kind of different for me. And um, I have kind of struggled with, um, how does a family fit into being successful or having um, a degree or a PhD in animal science? Um, so I feel like as far as the three of us or four of us on the phone, on the phone call, um, we're kind of pioneering that family life and um, work life, where I think our our um, mentor has kind of just been pioneered the work life for us. And so it's going to be a little different than what we've seen thus far. Absolutely, totally agree with that. I um, I'm not a mom, and so and there are two moms on this call, so you guys can speak for that. But as someone who is still up in the air about having a family, but always pictured myself with a family, it's it's something that I just wasn't sure 
you know, based on what Lauren is saying, based on our mentors that came before us, if it was even going to be a possibility. And I still don't know. I still struggle with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it's really difficult, I think, when you don't see someone doing it. And that's part of why I think women and talking about women in any industry is important, because if you don't see it happening, it's hard for you to get your mind around it. And I'm really lucky at Mississippi State that there are a lot of young faculty who have children and and my boss and administrators value family. I think that's a Southern thing culturally too. Um, but I know it's not like that everywhere. But those women that kind of pioneered the the workforce for us, I wonder if they had to kind of do that because they wouldn't have been taken as seriously if they were moms yeah, too. I, I totally agree. I was what Megan was saying is is overall it's been really positive in being a mom in um academia um my son just comes with me um always and so uh if i have to work on a saturday or if i'm going to be gone a long time my son is just a trooper and comes with me um and so yeah we definitely did not have those mentors before but hopefully we can can kind of blaze the trail for a lot of other people that do want to be successful but also have that family life my boss our department chair is a mom and a woman so that's kind of cool, I guess, um, to have that, that mentorship now that I'm in this role where I, I don't think I've had that necessarily before. So that's neat to see. And we work with farmers, most of us, I guess, all of us work with farmers um, on the dairy or poultry end of things. And we see women actually out in the field more taking care of cows, milking cows, running their own businesses, right? And have you all noticed those trends? Yes, um, there, I have some farming friends um, in Maine, where I'm from, that one of them does all of the breeding on her farm, and so she just serves her son um, in one of those carrier backpacks, and he just goes out to the barn with her and, and breeds all of the cows, and especially here in Texas, where the family, families, many of the families come, uh, have come from the Netherlands, many of them are Dutch, and they tend to have larger families, and the, the moms are they're part of the business. They are managers and they just, their kids are with them um, on the farm as, as they're, you know, doing payroll or checking on herd health, doing um, whatever various tasks needs to be completed. And coming from the poultry side, I actually haven't seen, granted, I've only been out of school for four months, so take this with a grain of salt, um, but I have been out on quite a few farms in my short time here at Ridley and um, I've actually seen the exact opposite, where there's still a lot of men in out in the field um, running the businesses. Um, very few women that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Um, so that's been a little difficult for me, just kind of at the university level. We were, at least I felt, like Megan said, it was very positive. My opinion mattered. Um, I was kind of sought after as far as a graduate student was concerned. Um, as far as teaching and that kind of stuff. So um, kind of going to the opposite end of the spectrum where um, it's still predominantly men. It's been a little bit of um, a learning curve because not that they don't listen, but there is kind of that first, mm, I'm not too sure about her. They don't, they end up suspecting me with that first initial look. It's kind of like, hmm, I'm not too sure about this one. So it's been a little difficult for me, um, but I think I will get used to it as time goes on. Have you had anybody, like, say something specifically to you, Lauren, about, like, 
I don't want to talk to a woman about this or anything? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, it's just kind of that first initial kind of shock. On, I don't know if it's even nice. It's just, um, it's just different. Um, I've been working with mm-hmm. a lot of Hutterites, and so they're kind of like an Amish um, branch, and they are very much conservative in that women sit on one side of the dining hall and men sit on the other. Women are not out in the barns. They're not working. They're very much inside. And so that's been kind of difficult for me. And it's not even the men that notice. It's the women that are kind of like, what is she doing and why is she out there with the men? So that's kind of been a learning curve for me as well. Have any of you, Megan or Barb, had any experience where people have not wanted your advice or not wanted you around even because you're a woman? Have you experienced anything like that? I am the only woman uh, in the Texas A&M AgriLife research side that is a principal investigator. And when I walked into my first meeting, I personally was extremely intimidated because I was the only woman. I was the youngest, um, maybe by 10 or 15 years, and some older gentlemen in the room. Since then, we, we've had another woman um, come on to be a principal investigator. Um, but right off the bat, I felt like I was just another part of the team, that they cheer me on when they need to. They give me constructive criticism when they need to. And so I, I personally have had a really positive experience here, um, even though I have I am the only woman. Um, and I don't know whether to compliment the men or just say, you know, this is how it should be. You don't deserve any extra applause, but I do applaud them. Well, can I add on? I just what Barb was saying is uh, my team has been wonderful. It's not my team at all. It's um, kind of out in the world. For me, I think that my experience mm-hmm. is a little bit different um, because, like I said, my department chair is a woman, and just looking at the student population here now, most of the animal science students, the majority are female. And aside from the manager and assistant manager at the dairy, um, all of the student workers at the dairy are female. Um, so I think it's a little bit different for me. I don't, we don't have extension services, and so I don't consult on farm or anything like that. So I'm not like out in the actual real world, I guess, so to speak. So it's a, it's a little different for me, um, I guess, compared to their experiences. I'm surrounded, I think, by more women, <laughs> actually. Well, the student perspective, I think, is is interesting, though, because and in, in, um, I guess most of us are dealing with that. And Lauren, it's, you're not that far away from being actually a student. So you, you get that perspective, too, mm-hmm. is that they are growing up in a, a different growing up in quotes, I guess, in a different world, even than than we were several years ago, I feel like when now they see more mentors and more people to I guess look up to that do have kids that are young that are trying to pave the way for families and successful careers whereas we as we've already mentioned didn't see that and I wonder what the future is going to look like as a result of that like we have more as as a national average more women are in animal science type degrees than men are which was not the case however many years ago Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of wonder if you've ever thought about what 20 years from now looks like when those women are in charge, if you will? I kind of see since I was in graduate school, I TA'd um, a 
introductory, introductory animal science class for eight years. And just kind of seeing the progression of number of male students to female students. By the end of that eight years, we were lucky to have maybe two or three in the whole class, males, um, compared to females. And that was a 100-student class. So I kind of see the pendulum kind of swinging in the opposite direction where, unfortunately, I see men kind of going through the same thing that we're going through in 20 years, um, which I don't want to see that either. I'd like to see it just kind of stay even, but I don't know if that's um, actually what's going to happen or not. Well, so I know we have a vet school here at Mississippi State, and I know I've seen a lot of up-and-coming vets, if you will, that get their undergrad degrees in animal and dairy sciences with us in my department, and then they go on to vet school, and after four years will be actual DVM practicing veterinarians. Um, and I've seen and, and heard some situations that are not what I would like to, to see or hear where people say, you know, you can't be a large animal vet because you're a small woman. Like, how are you going to handle the animals or how are you going to rectally palpate every day? Like you're, you're not large enough to do that and you're not strong enough to do that. And so I think I still see it from maybe the vet perspective, but not quite as much from like an academic perspective. Uh, there are also academic situations that with without um, risking people knowing who, who I'm talking about on this phone call that women are not always welcomed in, in academic situations either, that it's not strictly intelligence or capabilities that people are looking for. They want people who are like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have, um, which is a good thing, the opposite, um, I... I, I when I was an undergrad, I actually did hear from one of the um, women milkers at um, where I went to my undergraduate that she was concerned about all of these petite young females that wanted to be veterinarians because she thought, how, how could you handle cattle, which um, if anyone knows how to handle cattle, you know that you don't use brute strength. So. Um, uh-huh. that, that's not a concern. Um, and specifically where I am at University, our chief of staff is a woman, our provost is a, a woman, um, academic affairs is a woman. And so from the academia side, they're very much um, cheer, cheer on women. But I did hear that when I was an undergrad, but that was a long time ago. So um, I think times, especially here where I am, those things are changing and we don't hear those comments anymore, thank goodness. Yeah, and I think, you know, on that, too, when I was doing my PhD, um, there was never any question about whether or not I could handle the animals. I think that's kind of assumed if you're, you know, in this field. For me, it was more about the equipment. So I had to learn how to drive a tractor and pull um, a mixer wagon and back that up and, you know, mix my own ration. And that was a steep learning curve for me personally. And I think it was not... Helped. It was kind of exacerbated by the fact that the farm manager, um, you know, kind of automatically assumed I didn't know what I was doing. It didn't really take a lot of time to teach me how to do it. And so it was just every time I messed up, it was because, oh, she's, you know, this dumb girl who doesn't know what she's doing driving a tractor. But really, it was because I had really no um, training on that. And so once I learned how to do it, I could do it just as well as any anybody. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's something that... Um, is with like our generation kind of coming in that 
you either it's either they are very old school or they're open to it. And I worked at the sheep unit for quite a few years as an undergrad, and my the um, the farm manager was great in helping me kind of. He took on that role of teaching me that kind of stuff because he knew where I grew up. He knew that I didn't have the opportunity. So um, he was willing to take me out in the tractor and show me how to, you know, use a clutch and um, shift gears and all that kind of stuff, back up a trailer, which I still don't know how to do and probably never will know how to do. And I'm okay with that, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But those things, so I think it's kind of, you have those different mentalities. So where Megan was coming from, where um, you should know it because you're on the farm or um, somebody who's willing to teach you because they want to, they want to show you agriculture. They want to show you their way of life, and um, you're interested. So let's just take the bull by the horns and get as many people involved as we can. Mm-hmm. Well, so is it something that you all, I guess, think about on a daily, weekly, or situational basis of, like, do I need to act differently or look differently or do things differently because I'm a woman? I think so, Ed. For example, um, Barb and I were both at a competition. I won't say what one this past weekend. And looking at the panel of judges, um, though they, they did a good job, I think, of picking various areas of expertise, there was only one woman out of how many were there, Barb? Ten people? Yeah. Um, that was a woman. And for me, seeing things like that, it's like that seems like a step in the wrong direction. And, and when I looked out at the students that were at this contest, a lot of them were female, and so I don't know. I just I think that was kind of a step in the wrong direction, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong wrong way. So when I see things like that, yeah, I can't help but think about it. That's a good point, Megan. Um, so I, Megan and I were just together, and I had the exact exact opposite where I didn't think about it, and I don't know my um, you all know my mom and how strong of a person she is, and I come from a long line of strong women where they. You know, my grandmother owned a business with my grandfather back in, you know, the 60s, 70s, where that wasn't really popular. And my grandmother on the other side, you know, raised my father and my uncle on a farm and was just as tough as or maybe even tougher sometimes as her husband. So maybe that I just don't I I just I don't know. I just don't see it because I don't um, I don't I just don't reflect maybe that much. But that is a really good point. I think I'm, I'm I kind of know these for people that are like me, you know. So, like, when I go places in a, a situation where there's supposed to be people who are like me, you know, dairy people, um, other professors, you know, even people in agriculture in general, I'm always looking to see if there are people like me. And I think that's kind of a human thing to do where we're, we're constantly looking for people we can relate to. And um, so I'm always looking to see, you know, survey in the room, are there women, are there people who look like me, who, you know, are like me. And when there's not, then I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not in the, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not in the right place, but I know that's not true. I feel, I feel very similar to Megan. Um, mm-hmm. I think mine comes from just not growing up on an agricultural background at all. Um, I, we didn't, I didn't have the option for FFA or 4-H or any of that stuff. Um, so coming into this world where I really have no background and now I'm in a position to kind of, give advice on people's farms and their production, sometimes I feel like um, maybe I don't fit this role. Maybe I don't really know because it's not something I have um, experienced growing up in. So it is something that's kind of constantly on my mind 
as far as fitting in and kind of not overstepping my bounds because at the end of the day, my background does kind of limit me to um, what I know. I mean, these people have been doing it for their entire lives, and I've been doing it for the past 10 years. So I kind of mm-hmm. try and keep that in perspective as well as I do know what I'm talking about. I, I've been around it enough to, to give advice, and I see different perspectives. I see different operations, so I have that going for me. Um, but it is something that I kind of always think about. Lauren, uh, going off your point, I actually tend to like, personally, when I, I hire a lot of research assistants for my lab, my favorite are the students that come in with absolutely no background because they're very easy to train because they don't know anything and they have that very different perspective. And a lot of times it's the females that come out of the Dallas or the Houston suburbs that don't know anything that are very, very trainable and they're so Mm -hmm. eager to learn and they want to do things correctly. And I I do think they have that a little bit more of a fight in them because they Mm -hmm. come from that background and they're female and sometimes they're um, they haven't been around animals, so I, I personally, those are my favorite students to, to have around my life. And I think it's helped me in the long run just because I, I do have that eagerness to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it's just something that I kind of always think about in the back of my head. Yeah. I think part of that too is I think I can probably speak for all four of us on this call, um, a mental health issue, and that can be a whole other discussion for another day, but I think for me personally, I struggle a lot with, you know, imposter syndrome and insecurity. And I don't know if that's just because of my personality or because I have kind of innately felt this way because I am a woman, purely. I don't know. I've never really thought about that before. Can you explain what imposter syndrome is for those who don't know? So that just basically means that you've made it this far, you've worked really hard, you fit you know, X amount of years in college, you got this degree, and now you're doing a job with your degree, and you just don't feel like you're good enough. Um, you don't feel like you should be here. You're not sure how you got here. You feel like you're letting everybody down, and you just feel like you're masquerading as someone who, you know, should know what they're talking about, but you don't. So I guess you feel like you're not good enough. Okay, well, I am going to stop us at this point, and we will pick up again um, next Friday, where we will continue talking about imposter syndrome and women in agricultural academia. I appreciate you all tuning in, and make sure you like and subscribe, and tune in next time. Ag Matters is produced and supported by the Mississippi State University Extension Service.